Good morning, C3 Coffs Harbour. Thanks, worship team. Um, what's this little one's name? Aaliyah. Aaliyah. You are awesome. Don't ever stop what you're doing. You've got a gift there. So, do not be anxious about anything. Um, in the world today, there is actually another pandemic of the 21st century. But this pandemic is one that is capable of absolutely destroying hope. It's destroying relationships. It's destroying careers. And it will destroy a person's self-identity. And that is this anxiety pandemic that we're seeing in our society here in Coffs, and we can see it spread across the world. But unlike COVID-19, it is actually a pandemic we can't vaccinate against. Because you can't vaccinate against a culture that has become increasingly narcissistic and selfish and confused, having forgotten what truth is and the ultimate truth giver. And where we live in a world where our phones are bombarding us with information that is so overwhelming and contradictory, we just do not know what to believe anymore. Where the authorities that we used to trust no longer seem trustworthy. And it can be so very easy then to drift off with our worries into social media groups. And we pull ourselves away from real people and we pull ourselves away from accountability. And then sometimes we pull away from church and then we end up isolated. And then a lot of people might end up in my room. But worse, they can be completely isolated and feel that life isn't worth living anymore. Now Jesus knows that our emotional health can affect our walk with him. And as a doctor, I am all too witness to this day in, day out. Christians are no, no uh, more prone to clinical anxiety and depression than non-Christians. And I know this personally, and I know this professionally. But the Bible, and ultimately Jesus, do offer something that my medical degree can't offer patients. And that is a revelation of who we are. We are children of God and a revelation of where we are going. And that is heaven itself. But if you look at the stats of what's going on around us, it is pretty distressing. Uh, one in seven Australians will suffer a mental health illness in their lifetime. Uh, in under 21s currently, one in 35 will be suffering a major disorder, which means, you know, one person in my daughter's class will be off school suffering from depression. One in 14 will be suffering an anxiety disorder, so that's two more kids in my daughter's class. And deaths by suicide are the highest they've ever been. In fact, they're so high that um, it outnumbers the total deaths from road traffic accidents and cancers in the under 25 year olds. And it's at a staggering rate of 10 per 100,000. So I work with anxiety every single day, and despite there being ever increased access to the mental health services, there seems to be this need that is going on and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's almost as if mental health has become a social justice 
issue and therefore our whole industry has kind of arisen from this with social media groups and organizations and blogs which are all really very good and they are helpful and we should use them but it has allowed our feelings to assume a position that I feel is unhealthy. It's allowed our feelings to give us an identity, but it's a false identity. And as Justin just said, Jesus knew that this was going to happen. Jesus knew that we were going to struggle to be in the present without worrying about the future or regretting the past. But he also knew and knows that our worries have the power to separate us from God and to separate us from that mission that God has called us to. So let's read what Jesus says in the greatest speech probably ever given on planet Earth. He addresses mental health. Um, I think you're going to be able to follow it behind me. Matthew 6, 25 to 36. Do not be anxious about anything whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and our body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant a harvest or store food in barns, for our Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that no, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these th things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it does sound all very easy when you read it like that, but it's not quite so easy when you've just been told you're the one with cancer, or you're the one who is struggling in your marriage or you're the parent whose kid is being bullied at school. Yet God does really know how you feel. He is the only God that fully understands what it is to be a human being. He knows what it is to suffer and to ultimately die. Just before Easter, Jesus was on a donkey um, and the crowds were around him rejoicing to see their Messiah. But three days later, that same crowd were calling for his blood, crucifying him, having betrayed him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just before that, he was sweating drops of blood, terrified, not just of that physical death that he was going to have to endure on that cross, but because of that utter separation from the Father and that descent into hell. Jesus understands the pain of anxiety and depression. Jesus understands the pain of people like Claire. Now, Claire is 21 years old. She is studying part-time and she works in a local cafe. Her parents divorced when she was about 10. Her mum remarried, they've got another little kid, and her dad moved to the city for a career change. She did okay at school and life is generally going well now, but she has been feeling a little bit more 
tired than usual. In fact, she's been feeling tired most of the time, unusually tired. She's getting a bit irritable with people. She's found that she's worrying about little things that she never used to worry about. And she's stressing over things that she never really even thought about. She's lived with a couple of housemates and used to go out on weekends, but she doesn't really want to go out. She doesn't enjoy it when she does. And actually, last time she tried to go out with her friend, she had a panic attack while she was trying to get ready. She's feeling on edge. And she's trying to stay in touch with her friends through social media. But she just is getting overwhelmed. And now she can't switch off at night. And she's not sleeping very well. When she wakes up in the morning, she feels a little bit sicky in the tummy. And, and so she doesn't go out to her morning classes at uni. And now she's got behind in her uni studies. So she was on Facebook and she saw this questionnaire about anxiety on a link to a website from Beyond Blue. So she followed the link and she completed this little questionnaire on Beyond Blue's website and it said that she scored quite highly for anxiety and she should go and see her GP. So she comes into my room and I meet her. Now I've known Claire for a number of years, over the last 10 years or so, and just the normal kind of teenage, young adult stuff and we get talking. Now I actually discovered that she does meet the clinical criteria for moderate anxiety disorder with the risk of developing depression. I actually discovered that she's been thinking that life isn't worth living anymore. She feels completely and utterly unloved. She has shocking self-esteem. She hates herself. She's afraid of what her parents might think of her. Yet I am the first person she has verbally spoken to about her feelings. None another human person knows. Yet, she's connected to a whole world around her. I recommend a whole load of lifestyle modifications and uh, arrange some psychology, uh, talk to her about the benefits of medication. But, and she will make it probably a full recovery, but what is, was it preventable? What had allowed some niggling little anxious thoughts about herself lead to such awful feelings of hopelessness? Why was her doctor the first person to, that she was able to vocalize these concerns to? Where was her family, her community, her friends? And why did it take an internet questionnaire to actually make her realize something might be up about the way she was feeling? I think we've got to look at the culture and the society that surrounds Claire because Claire's are actually uh, about one in four of the patients I see every single day. About a quarter of my patients of my week will be made up of mental health conditions. Now, the Claire's of this world are living in an Australia where only about 40% would say they're Christians on a census, but even less than that, about 15 would attend a church on a semi-regular basis. Less than that would be attending church regularly. Less than that, less than 2% would be reading the word every day. That leaves the majority, and by the w when I say majority, that means the majority of the Western world are left to having dismissed God's standard. They are now being tossed around by the currents of the latest trend or the newest truth, and all that that, that, that demands of them. And that is absolutely exhausting but it's absolutely anxiety-inducing. We have, as a society, forgotten God's word. And that's God's standard that he laid out for our lives. And that has been the basis of Western culture for the last 2,000 years. 
If we go back to AD 30, when Jesus rose into heaven, he left behind a group of believers that, who had seen him resurrected, and they passionately believed that he was the God. He was God. And these guys were led by godly young men and women, and they lived out their lives caring for each other, loving and serving God. These guys were being, uh, had been brought up in a pagan era that was fit for an anxiety pandemic like it is today, where there was sexual immorality, alcohol, drugs, promiscuity. And I've no doubt that some of these early Christians had suffered abuse and pain and suffering. But individually and as a group, they worked their way through the Middle East and into Europe, and over the centuries, they changed culture. They ended slavery, they started schools, they started hospitals, they cared for the weak and the unloved. They changed a, changed a culture on its head. Now, fast forward 2,000 years, and in 2021, churches across Coffs Harbour are also meeting in small groups of young, 20 or so uh, people, youth aged 12 to 18. They're meeting, they're chatting, they're playing, they recall God's word and God's promises. They are led by godly young men and women who know God's transformational power of Jesus dying on their cross and how it's outworked in their lives. These young people are also growing up in a pagan era where sexual immorality and drugs and alcohol abuse, physical and emotional, ever-present features of their culture. And some of these young guys and girls will have been directly affected by them. But these guys are going to be absolutely fine. They'll be more than fine because they know exactly who they are. They know the boundaries for their lives and they know how those boundaries allow them to strive and strive for God's model for their lives and their calling for the God's model for family and community. And they will forever look to their creator for their worth rather than trying to find their strength and identity from within them. I cannot think of any better anxiety prevention program. And I am challenged and encouraged by all the youth groups across COFs. I think we should be emulating them more as adults. We should never stop meeting with each other. We should be allowing ourselves to be, be vulnerable with each other, confessing our sins with each other. We should be able to urge each other on to love and good deeds. And I think we can actually have a lot of fun in doing so as well. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our minds, ourselves, have always loved ourselves more than God. But in the last couple of centuries... Our society has totally and utterly rejected God at a staggering rate. And some of these attitudes and beliefs have sadly entered the church. And Justin has so very faithfully preached on some of these really difficult areas in this series, The Standard, calling us and encouraging us to return back to God's standard. But to do that, we will need the support of each other. We need the church. And that's what the church is designed for. If you ha can tell from my accent, I'm not originally from Australia. Um, our families are both back in the UK. And so we've had the opportunity to travel back and forth to the other side of the globe. And wherever we are, when we are traveling on a Sunday, we try and find a local church. 
Um, a couple of years ago, we were in a small country called Laos, and we managed to find a church that was meeting in a little primary school, and there was about 20 people meeting and singing and praying with each other. But they were forever under the threat of being imprisoned by the Buddhist police. Yet they were happy, they were committed, they passionately loved God, and they welcomed us with open arms. It was one of the highlights of our trip. Church is the only place left in society where no matter what your age, your sex, your nationality, your financial status, your social status, can we all build relationships with each other and with God. And coming together and loving and worshipping God is at the heart of human thriving. That will defeat loneliness. It will defeat anxiety. It will defeat depression. And it will defeat that fear of death. So make church a priority every week. Which means that we do need to stay connected. But... Being connected with someone who is very anxious or is depressed or is emotionally wounded or bound up in fear can be a very hard thing to do on a one-to-one -one basis, let alone a group basis. We are all living in a broken world with broken minds and broken bodies and someone who is suffering from anxiety does not have any more brokenness than my mind or your mind. It's not more flawed. It's not more defective. And being depressed and anxious actually doesn't diminish someone's desire to connect with another person, but they do have a disability to connect. They may act in some weird and wonderfully, wonderfully off-putting ways, but that's because there's a war going on inside their brain. And you have no idea what that is. And sometimes their actions are actually sane reactions to a horribly insane situation that has occurred to them. So it will take real patience and it will take real love and effort and time and it will be emotionally draining to walk alongside someone who has, uh, is suffering with anxiety or depression. But there's also this layer of added complexity as Christians because sometimes we put more pressure on ourselves through faulty theology. The health and wellness doctrine has no support in scripture. God's love to you is not determined by your bank balance or your sculpted abs or your perfect mental health. It's far more nuanced than that and anxiety is a real emotion. Jesus warns us that life is not going to be easy. And he ends that section on the Sermon of the Mount with the ever-inspiring and uplifting verse, uh, each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> so how do we manage these troubles that we will face without, for want of a better phrase, losing our mind? Jesus tells us in this scriptures that we need to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. It echoes Proverbs 3.6, uh, seek his will in all you do and he will show you what path to take. 
And later on in Matthews, he says again, verse 724, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Life's tough times won't shake our faith if we follow Jesus' commands in word and in deed. Christianity is a doing faith as much as it is a spiritual faith. And seeking and loving God and reaching out to our neighbor and loving one another will help keep us from worry. It will keep anxiety away in the future, but it will also help us if we are going through it right now. And when anxiety and doubts enter our mind, or sometimes it's just the why God, we can let it overwhelm us and separate us. Or we can allow it to help us build faith rather than diminish it. Even in those times where we feel like we're clinging on with our fingertips. During the last school holidays, um, as a family, we managed to get away to WA and had a wonderful two weeks um, on holiday. And then we got emails to say that our flights home had been cancelled as the Sydney outbreak started. We then, Perth then went into a lockdown because they got a case there and we couldn't get flights out of Perth. And then we couldn't get back to um, Queensland because they shut the borders to WA where our car was on the Gold Coast and we couldn't go through South Australia and it just was getting increasingly more difficult to work out how we were going to get back to Coffs, um, let alone try and avoid a 14-day quarantine. We were constantly scanning the ABC News at the constantly changing rules and eventually we managed to fly out of rural WA through to Victoria and up to Ballon and we got home without a quarantine. Now, on one of those flights, I've been listening to this series The Stand and I was listening to one of Justin's preachers and he said this, how many of you have spent more time in the news today than his word? I was like, oh, ouch. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Now, if I walk out in front of a car when I leave this place today and the car narrowly misses it, I will experience a flash of adrenaline through my uh, veins and I will get a pounding heart rate, feel a bit sweaty and a bit sick. Now that is a normal anxiety response. But if I felt like that all the time, life is going to get really difficult. I am not going to be able to carry on. Yet, we think that by worrying we can change the future because we are control freaks. We not only want control, but we want control to fix ourselves because we think we have the Messiah within us. How many uh, people do you know when life gets a little bit tricky or a little bit out of control might say something like this, I'm gonna go on a detox, I'm gonna go sugar and grain and alcohol free, or I'm just gonna go away for a weekend and get some retail therapy. Just think about it, how does that and those actions salvage a wobbling relationship or a period of stressful parenting? Didn't Jesus just say, is not life, not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And COVID-19 has highlighted this to our generation more than anything we've ever, ever lived through. 
it's brought to our attention the one certainty in life is that we will all die. And COVID has shown us that although we want control, we are not in control. But guess what? We never were. Those repeated calls of do not be afraid, which are echoed throughout the Bible, are not just a comforting statement. They're actually a command of what to do when we feel like life is out of control. When David was in captivity in Psalms, he says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in God. You can't change the past and you don't know what the future's going to have in hold for you, but you can change the way you think about the present. If you are under stress or you're suffering from anxiety, you are not a victim of forces outside of your own control. You can choose what to focus your mind on. If you can't carry on with normal life, then please come and seek professional help. We can normally help in the majority of cases. But even in the most serious of psychiatric illness, or in the rare cases where really nothing does seem to be working, please remember that you or they are still very much loved by God. One of the greatest privileges I have in my work is that I get to go through the great ups and downs of a patient's life. I am allowed to enter into a person's suffering and often see it at its most toughest and at its most undignified. And rarely in my own experience have I seen that when that big horrible cancer diagnosis comes along or that neurodegenerative disease rears its ugly head, do I see a patient lose faith. It can happen, but so very often I see that suffering brings us closer to God. The wonderful C.S. Lewis wrote, we can ignore even pleasure but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We do not understand the whys of suffering, but it does help us rely more on the source of true comfort receiving that true peace that is only found through Jesus Christ. Um, last year, I had the honour of caring for a gentleman who um, was dying of cancer. He um, had been a Christian for over 50 years, and in this last stage of his life, we were really struggling to control some quite nasty symptoms. And uh, I was having to seriously consider having to admit him to hospital to manage these symptoms for invasive treatment. And that would involve him being separated from his wife of over 60 years and his family that were caring for him so really well at home. And so I explained this to him. And he, he took my arm and he looked straight into my eyes and with a beautiful smile on his face, he said, my dear, don't you dare. I know where I am going and it's far better than this. Our true hope in Jesus lies beyond this life. Only through the suffering of 
Jesus Christ on that cross 2,000 years ago where death and sin were conquered, will the worries and the sufferings of the present day make any sense? Today we have been given that choice through grace to push into that hope. True hope is the, to hear that melody of the future and dance in the present. And Peter reminds us of this. Even in the most paralyzed of emotional states, Peter wrote, hold on to his very great and precious promises so that through him you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Professor of psychiatry, Glyn Harrison. He's someone who has spent years in research and treats mental health uh, acutely day in, day out. Also echoes this call to Christians. In a world, he writes, with crushing mental health problems, making these very great and precious promises known, not only through words, but actions, together sticking to our convictions, serving with sacrificial love, and never to stop meeting with each other, we can see God's transformational promise of love change this world for Jesus' sake. Now, before I hand back to Justin, I want to pray for you guys because as a doctor, I am bound by some very strict ethical code of practice. I'm not allowed to share my faith with patients. I'm not allowed to pray for patients, but that doesn't, allow, that doesn't stop me from when the patients left the room from praying for them, for praying for when, they're at, when I go home, for asking my husband to pray for people. And I see those answers to prayers day in, day out. Sometimes I'm even praying while I'm talking to the patient because I'm struggling. <laughs> but what I've seen throughout my career so far, and I hope for the many years of my career to go on, is that through the power of prayer, Jesus can work through me as a doctor, but also that I have the honor of seeing God's work through people just like you and your families, your kids, your friends being able to see God's love reaching out and healing this generation that desperately needs an answer to this anxiety pandemic. So maybe if you just close your eyes and I'll pray for you before I hand back. Father God, thank you for your great and precious promises. And they're not just promises, they're a promise that has already been given through your son, Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that no matter where we're at, where we've been, or what we're going to go through, you know exactly how we feel, and you're able to handle those feelings, Lord. Thank you for your grace, and through your grace, we can have that hope in a life with you forever in heaven, where all those worries and anxieties will be taken away. Amen.